You're listening to the Out Loud Bible Project podcast with Mike Dominey. Out Loud Bible Project is on a mission to read the entire Bible out loud in a conversational and approachable way, so you can recognize your part in this conversation between you and God. Welcome back to the Out Loud Bible Project Podcast. Mike here. Just trying my best to read the Bible like it makes a difference. It's made a difference in my life. Hope it's made a difference in your life. So let's just read it like it matters. Just here having a conversation through the Bible. Reading it like a conversation because it is. It's a conversation between God who loves us so much and and us. And we have this opportunity to just engage in this conversation, get to know him better. And that's what it's all about. So I told you when we started reading Romans that Paul would be constructing a thick argument for the entire basis of the Christian faith. And you may notice that he uses phrases that make this framework of a logical argument. Phrases like, what shall we say then? And therefore, and if this, then that, and phrases like, in the same way. And although he's far from done, today in chapters 7 and 8, Paul reaches a bit of a conclusion, and he shows himself to be not only a logical speaker and writer, but an eloquent one. And we are left with one of the most profoundly beautiful passages in the entire Bible. So let's get into it today in Romans chapters 7 and 8. Or don't you know, brothers, for I speak to men who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man for as long as he lives? For the woman that has a husband is bound by law to the husband while he lives, but if the husband dies, she's discharged from the law of the husband. So then, if, while the husband lives, she is joined to another man, she would be called an adulteress. But if the husband dies, she's free from the law so that she's no adulteress, although she's joined to another man. Therefore, my brothers, you also were made dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you would be joined to another, to him who raised from the dead that we might produce fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were through the law worked in our members to bring out fruit to death. But now we've been discharged from the law, having died to that which we were held, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit, not in oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. However, I wouldn't have known sin except through the law. For I wouldn't have known coveting unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin... Finding occasion through the commandment produced in me all kinds of coveting. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was alive apart from the law once, but when this commandment came, sin revived and I died. The commandment, which was for life, this I found to be for death, for sin, finding occasion through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. Therefore, the law indeed is holy, and the commandment holy and righteous and good. Did then that which is good become death to me? 
Now, may it never be, but sin, that it might be shown to be sin, was producing death in me through that which is good, that through the commandment, sin might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm fleshly, sold under sin. For I don't know what I'm doing. For I don't practice what I desire to do, but what I hate, that I do. But if what I don't desire, that I do, I consent to the law that it's good. So now it's no more that I who do it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. For desire is present with me, but I don't find it doing that which is good. For the good which I desire, I don't do. But the evil which I don't desire, that I practice. But if what I don't desire, that I do, it's no more I that do it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the law that to me, while I desire to do good, evil is present. For I delight in God's law after the inward person, but I see a different law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity under the law of sin, which is in my members. What a wretched man am I? Who will deliver me out of the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve God's law, but with the flesh, sin's law. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law couldn't do, in that it was weak against the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin— He condemned sin in the flesh, that the ordinance of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace, because the mind of the flesh is hostile toward God. For it's not subject to God's law, neither indeed can it be. Those who are in the flesh can't please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If it is so that the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if any man doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But... If the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are children of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed toward us. For the creation waits with eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to vanity, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of decay into the liberty of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. Not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for that which he sees? But if we hope for that which we don't see, we wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which can't be uttered. He who searches the hearts knows what is on the Spirit's mind because he makes intercession for the saints according to God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, whom he predestined, those he also called, whom he called, those he also justified, whom he justified, those he's also glorified. What shall we say then about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how would he not also with him freely give us all things? Who could bring a charge against God's chosen ones? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died, yes, rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Could oppression, or anguish, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Even as it's written, for your sake we are killed all. All day long we were accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from God's love which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, I can't leave you with anything better to think about than what Paul just did, so let me repeat that last part. I am persuaded 
that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from God's love, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the Thinking Out Loud thought for today. You've been listening to the Out Loud Bible Project podcast with Mike Dominey. When you become a patron of Outlawed Bible Project, you help make the Bible accessible for people who desperately need to know they have a role in this conversation with God. To learn more, visit outloudbible.com and click support this project. Thanks for listening.